Happy New Year. Happy New Year, the start of a whole new year. I'm Pastor Craig, by the way, in case anybody. <laughs> Good to be with you this morning. I want to share with you this morning a love that never fails. And uh, before we do that, though, I have a question. Are you happy? Okay. That's a question I asked Sue uh, on Friday. I asked if she was happy. And I got to back up and ask to tell you why I asked that question. How many of you are people like on the 26th of December, it's like time to take down the Christmas decorations. <laughs> I want to see the hands because this is a debate in our house. I need your help. It's like it's over, it's done, let's put them away. How many of you are, no, I want Christmas to go forever. Let's take it down next week. So we decided, we debated. I said, honey, when would you like to take down Christmas decorations? And she says, well, how about next week? And I'm like, mm-mm. <laughs> it's got to be this week. I don't want to go into the new year with Christmas decorations all over the house. And she's like, but I love Christmas, and you're going to take down my tree. So we came to this agreement. She said, I'll tell you what. She says, on Thursday, I have some things to do. Why don't you, and I'm sure you're like us, wherever you have your Christmas decorations stored under the basement steps, in the garage, above, the, in the rafters, wherever you store your, your Christmas decorations, she says, why don't you get out everything out and stage it throughout the house so we can pack it all away on Friday morning? I said, okay. So we get up on Thursday, and she gets ready to leave the house. And she says, are you going to bring everything out and stage it throughout the house? And I said, sure, as soon as you leave. So she left. I get everything out, and I packed everything away. <laughs> Can I hear it? Yes! She came home like, I don't know, maybe seven hours later from wherever she was. She walked in the door, and she looked at me, and she gave me the look. That look. I said, you'll thank me later. So Friday morning, we, she gets up. We go in the living room. She has her coffee. She sits down on the living room couch. And she has a great, she has a great routine in the morning. I, I re she really does. She loves to read her Bible and have her coffee and have her time with God. So we sat down in the living room, and she has her coffee. And I looked at her, and I said, now, aren't you happy that I put everything away yesterday? Now you have the whole day to yourself. And she said, thank you. <laughs> so the thing is, though, with happiness, happiness is cause and effect. Happiness comes from outside of us. Happiness is something that we can't really trust because it depends on facts, right? And the facts can change. Stock market's up, we're happy. Stock market's down, we're not, right? It snows, some of us are ecstatic. Others of us are like, go away. <laughs> Happiness is cause and effect. We can't trust it. It's insecure. Happiness is insecure. It's elusive. We can never seem to get to that place of true happiness. We go through our day, and we do accomplish some tasks during the day. We have goals set for ourselves. Perhaps we go to work, and 
that that money that we earn at work or wherever that comes from, that does help make us happy and helps does supply things in our daily life. But ultimately, even the gifts that we received at Christmas, I'm wondering how many of them still work. <laughs> Eventually, those things fade. And what we thought was joy was just simply a far-out feeling of happiness. So happiness is cause and effect. My second question for you this morning is, do you have joy? Do you have joy in your life, and specifically, the joy of the Lord? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about the joy of the Lord and a love that never fails. The joy of the Lord comes, the joy of the Lord is what's produced in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Happiness comes from the outside. Joy is what's produced in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the joy of the Lord is knowing that peace that we have from knowing that he is present in our lives and that we can come to him anytime, anytime, and pray to him. And he promises what? He promises to hear all of our prayers and to answer each and every one of them according to always for our good. The joy of the Lord comes from inside of us by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not short term. It doesn't fade. It doesn't fade. And in the world that we live in, and I, I know this is true for myself, and I'm sure it might be true for you, that the world that we live in is always after us to do what? To steal our joy. To suck the joy of the Lord right out of us and not to rely on Him. So this morning what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at Psalm 100. And in Psalm 100, the writer of Psalm 100 gives us some reasons for us to give thanks and praise to God and to have the joy of the Lord in us. And Psalm 100 says this. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all of the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Shout to the Lord, verses 1 and 2. Shout for joy to the Lord, all of the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Here we're being called and encouraged to sing praises and thanksgiving to God and to have the joy of the Lord in us. We're encouraged to do what? To celebrate his kingship. To celebrate his kingship over our lives and his rule and reign in our lives. Yes, if we look at ourselves and our lives with all of the pulls and pressures that go on in our daily life, it's easy for you and for me, I know it's true for me, to sometimes not have that joy of the Lord, to let the world and the things that go on in our lives kind of pull us away from that. But the writer of the Psalms gives us the reasons why we have joy and to give praise and thanksgiving. The first is this, to know that he is God. Know that the Lord is God. Our praise and thanksgiving are based on the word know. Our praise and thanksgiving and the joy that we have and the love that never fails is the word know and the faith in Jesus Christ. It's based on absolute assurance. Based on absolute assurance of who God is and what he says about himself and what he has done for us. Because he is the only true God. 
He is the only true God in the world that wants to make us have a lot of gods. He is the only true God. He is the great I am. If you know, if you remember back in the book of Exodus, when God called Moses to go to the children of Israel, he, God said to Moses, he says, look, I want you to go, because the children of Israel were in captivity, I want you to go to my people, Israel, and I want you to tell them that I am sending you to bring them out of captivity. And Moses said to God, he said, okay, that's great, but who do I tell them sent me? Do you remember what God said to him? He said, I am. You tell them that I am sent you. And that is his name from generation to generation throughout all of history. Now, if we skip forward, if we skip forward to the Gospel of John and in, in Jesus' teaching, there Jesus says of himself, he says what? He says, I am the bread of life. Now, the people that were listening to Jesus give that teaching at that time knew that he was referring back to the I am, that Jesus was saying to himself that I am, that I am, that I sent Moses to the children of Israel, and I am the bread of life. Just as I gave life to your descendants in the, in the desert and gave them manna, gave them bread to live, I am the one that gives eternal life. I am the one that gives you life. And then he said what also? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. There's another I am statement. That he has overcome sin and death. And that there is life found only in him. His name speaks ultimate authority over everything. Over everything in creation. Those things that we see and those things that we do not see. We know and believe this with absolute certainty. He made us. He created us. We are reminded in Hebrews 11:3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. You and I did not evolve. You and I, we, and all of the world all of people who have lived during the entire time of the earth are created human beings. And we are created by God in that he loves each and every individual, each and every person with the same love that never fades. This is what it tells us. This is, he knows every hair on your head. He knows everything regardless of what color it is. I had to get fingerprinted last week for something, and, and it wasn't, <laughs> all right, I had, I, so I, it was so that I could be around children and work with children, so I had to get fingerprinted, and you had to fill out this application, and one of the questions on the application was color of hair. Now, back in the day, I was blonde. So I wrote down white. <laughs> well, the person that took my fingerprints, they're going over the thing, and they're going like, gray. <laughs> <laughs> he knows every hair on your head, regardless of color. 
But this is what he says about our creator. This is what the Bible says about him, that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is our creator. Second reason for the joy that we have in us that is produced by the Holy Spirit is that he is our redeemer. Do you remember what John the baptizer said of Jesus when he saw Jesus coming? He said in John 1.29, Look, the Lamb of God, he takes away the sin of the world. And he took upon himself all of our guilt. See, you and I have a problem. We're sinners. And we have sin that lives in us. It's called original sin. And it's part of us. It's going to be with us until we step into eternity. God is the one, Jesus is the one who went to the cross because of that original sin that lives in us so that now we have forgiveness of our sins and the sins that we commit. And that one day, because of the forgiveness of sins and because of what he did for us, he took our punishment, we get to stand with him one day in eternity. And the Bible reminds us that he did this what? Not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood. Third reason, third reason for joy that the psalm gives us is this, that is he, he is our faith creator. We're reminded in 1 Peter 2 now, but you are a chosen race, a royal priest, and a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Did you know that you are a priest or priestess? That you are members of a priesthood? And that says that we are to go out into the world and tell the world about the love that Jesus has given to us and our friends and whoever we come in contact with. And we're reminded that we are signed into the book of life. And that you are sealed. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. He is our faith creator. The faith that we have in our lives in Jesus Christ we did not reach out and grab that faith. Holy Spirit called you and I by the gospel and brought us to faith, found us where we were at, lost and condemned, and brought us to himself. We are his. We know to whom we belong. In John chapter 10, in John chapter 10, Jesus gives a teaching about himself, about another great I am statement he made, that I am the good shepherd. In John chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, that he knows us, that we are the sheep of his pasture, it tells us in the psalm. But in John 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. Again, there's that I am. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Shepherds take incredible care of their flock. I don't know if there's any people that raise sheep here, but shepherds take incredible care of their flock. Here's the thing about a shepherd. He knows each and, each and individual sheep by name. He knows which one has an ear that is just a little bit shorter than the other ear. 
He knows which one walks with a limp. He knows which one likes certain grass. But the thing about a shepherd is that a shepherd also knows what causes each one of them to stray. A shepherd also knows what causes each one, what causes you and I to stray. And it's for that that he laid down his life for us. He tells us, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all of the earth, serve the Lord with gladness, come to his presence with singing. He is God, he made us and we are his. We know to whom we belong and he knows us. The Lord is good. If you put Psalm 23 and this psalm together, it reminds us that God is intensely, personally committed to each and every one of us, his children, his sheep. He knows, folks, he knows what hurts we have in our life, and he knows what joys we have in our life. He knows what ails us. He knows what tempts us. And he's there in our life with this incredible love that never fails, so that our joy in life is doubled. But he's also there to know that whatever hurts us, whatever is ailing us, whatever is causing us to stumble, he's there to forgive and to have, cut in half, the pain and the things that we suffer in this life. And he promises that he's going to be there and he's going to walk us through it. And when it's all done here, he will see us safely home. His steadfast love endures forever. You know what the word, the Hebrew word for steadfast love means? Loyalty. That's what it means. Steadfast love. It's the most common term for God's grace in the Psalms. It's used 125 times. God's steadfast love, a love that never fails, is God's grace in action. God's grace in your life and my life that is in action. It's an unwavering devotion to the salvation of the people who he loves that found its fulfillment in the cross. When we talk about a love that never fails, we need to look at the cross because it's at the cross that we see the greatest love that a person could have for another. That he shed his blood for us. It's God's one-way sacrificial love for you and for me. And that's a love that does not fail. He doesn't change. God does not change. He's still the I am <laughs> of the Old Testament. Still the I am of the Gospel of John. And he is the I am of today. He doesn't change. He doesn't waver. And he fulfills each and every one of his promises. And James 1.17 reminds us, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. His word is absolutely dependable. <coughs> every single thing that he has told us in the word, in the Bible, is dependable. And that's from generation to generation. He is the great I Am. It will not change until one day he steps foot on this earth again. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to abandon you. He's going to walk with you each and every day. 
And as we start this new year, that's the kind of joy that we have. That's what we give praise to him for in thanksgiving. It's a love that never fails. Our joy is confident because our future is certain. Short-term things of this life are rooted in a long-term future with him. That's what makes life, that's what gives meaning to this life, is the joy of the Lord and the love that never fails.